0: You're listening to Fragments, a new podcast about dementia. Fragments takes a human approach to learning more about dementia. We hope this podcast acts as a stop on your journey with this disease, which we have learned is as unique as the people who live with it. We are definitely not the
1: experts, but each episode we will sit down with one on the front line of dementia care.
2: This week we spoke to Richard Graham, who is the Commissioning Programme Leader in the Care Quality Team for Leeds City Council. We wanted to get to the bottom of how care homes are managed, monitored and accredited. We hope you find it interesting and informative, we certainly did.
0: Uh, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be in the role that you are today.
3: Ooh, um, I've worked in care now for a vastly more years and i would care to remember. Um, <laughs> I started working in children's uh, children's residential um, because of an interest I had in adult pursuits and ended up kind of moving from fully teaching adult pursuits to working in residential childcare and worked my way up through that to become a registered manager in childcare, working with what you might call the more unfortunately disturbed uh, areas of, of, of childcare, um, which kind of links into my interest in the whole dementia thing and the psychology and, and everything else. Um, Decided that really after about 10 or 11 years of doing that I had enough. That was it. I was kind of burnt out I was just ridiculous working all the hours, you know, every hour. And, uh, I mean, you talk to any registered <coughs> Registered manager and will tell you the story that you know, you take the phone on holiday you run at mm-hmm. two o'clock in the morning, whatever. So um, I then moved into a more training-based role um, Came back to Yorkshire because I've been working um, mainly down south and care down south Came back to Yorkshire, um, spent a lot of time working in a semi-secure unit in Kirklees for usually young people on remand. Um, Then moved towards more training-based role, um, so effectively supporting registered managers in childcare. Kind of expanded that out and began to pick up more and more around older people's services, got an interest in older people's services, um, did an awful lot of work around home care, and basically supporting um, the the registered manager provision across the then moved to join up with a national organisation in a national quality assurance role, that was across the UK, um, and that was a learning difficulties organisation. Left them, came here uh, about 10 or 11 years ago now, um, just after Leeds had had a particularly poor report from, I think it was CSCI then, Uh, around risk management and safeguarding. Did a lot of work then around the risk management and safeguarding before moving into managing the care quality team. So really it's kind of like most areas of social care, adults and children, I've had some experience of, um, done a lot of training, uh, did a child psychotherapy, psychoanalytic training, um, and various other bits and pieces throughout that. So it's, it's all kind of come together um, did a variety, a range of um, university courses, um, management. Also, one of the more interesting ones was professional judgment and decision making. Oh, wow. uh, that is which interesting. Is, it's kind of around how you make clinical decisions. Yeah. Which has been really, really useful because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff is around the kind of forensic kind of area, uh, and it kind of came from having been in court on several occasions, <laughs> um, being cross-examined <laughs> and things. It kind of it does kind of get you to the point again. Yeah. I want to know why things are going on.
0: That must be fascinating though, because so much of what you do is based in care, which I always associate as being an incredibly emotional thing, and it must be really, I think, difficult to be able to say, this is good care, or these are good decisions we can make to provide good care, and when that's not happening, being empathetic about why that might not be happening. I would find it really difficult not to be emotional mm. when things aren't going well. So, so to be able to have a, a clinical understanding about that decision making must be fascinating. It, it,
3: it's interesting because you can take a step back and you can look at why people do things. It certainly doesn't make it any less emotional. You know, We still get completely stressed out mm-hmm. when we see poor quality care. Yeah. We still get very, very happy when we see good quality care. We see things that you know, make us quite sad, quite happy... And you just see other things that like just you.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> you pretty horrid. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
3: Really yeah. came home the other day, it was you. Oh yeah. no! It, the the problem is that there is a level of accountability. Um, I mean, whatever you do. So in any kind of social or health care, you have to be able to evidence why you've made the decision to do that. Yeah. Um, there's n- and the problem is you know, there's never a right or wrong answer. You know, you may decide to do something which would be equally correct as me decide to do something else. As long as you kind of both gone through the same process, mm. you know, if you are completely left to and you're doing something, then you know, okay, that's that's not good. Mm. But yeah, yeah, and you know, we do end up in coroner's court. Um, you, know, you do have to justify things to family, mm. and you do have to you, know, you do have to go through a process. Otherwise, you just kind of fall apart. There's that much going on. You need some kind of framework. Yeah. And the other problem that you've got is because care is now regulated, and what that actually means is that. If anything goes terribly wrong, it's the registered manager who goes to court. It's not the company. It's the registered manager who gets fined. It's the registered manager who can go to prison. So, you know, people are signing up for these, these roles um, and there's that, all that responsibility and accountability and you really have got to have something behind that. So if it does happen, you can evidence that you have done things correctly. Wow. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it, it does make providing care difficult. And it is interesting that you can go through an awful lot of people when I go to meetings and we did a um, Care Homes one, Everything you ever want to know about a care home but we're afraid to ask for senior managers and think across all professionals, health, etc. And they were kind of dumbfounded at The level of responsibility and accountability that you have as a registered manager. So yeah. it's interesting.
0: That is yeah, fascinating. That is yes. fascinating. I enjoy it. <laughs> do you? That's I
3: good to hear. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I was getting a bit fed up with my previous job but this one's really good. It's one of the few places where you can do something go back two weeks later and think, yeah, you're taking it on board. Yeah. yeah and Mrs. Niggins has now got, mm. she's now enjoying a cup of tea from a bone china rather than a Tommy Tippy cup or whatever. Mm. People actually are getting the food that they want because they've mm-hmm. been given choices. And I think it's something about educating people about even though someone's got dementia, they can still make some choices if you do it correctly. And it's also useful because you actually then, you talk to staff and they've found it Really helpful, and made their lives less stressful in dealing with some of this stuff. Yeah. So you know, it is it is it's almost immediate feedback. Yeah, in yeah. this role, so it's really good. What
0: are some of your favourite changes that people have made around that? Um, the Tommy uh, tippy cups a good a uh, like a good example.
3: Yeah, it's one of the things that I mean, it's dignity and uh, and it it's, it's just I think I think it the, the major stuff is just getting stuff to look at people in a different way. There's a lovely um, section in the Alzheimer's Dementia Friends work, which gives you a picture of dementia as on one side there's a rocky bookcase where all your memories go and on the other side there's a very solid bookcase and though you may not remember what happened, you will remember the emotions of what happened so you may end up feeling sad, happy, hurt, whatever. You can't remember why and then just a the number of times you see a little light go out in people's heads and go, oh, it all makes sense now. And it's just, yeah, yeah. You know, brilliant. You, know, you can now begin to understand of why it's important if you know, something has happened to somebody, even if they can't remember that particular incident or that particular action, it will still have an, an impact on them, it will still impact on their behaviour, and you still have to do something to manage that behaviour. So. Yeah. It seems like care is a common
2: thread for all the work you've done mm. throughout your life. It's, what specifically attracted you to like, dementia? Is there anything, or is it just because it's another carrier? I I you mentioned I psychology earlier. Yeah,
3: it, it's my fascination with what makes people tick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've, I've always been fascinated. I, I don't think, I'm one of these people that, I don't think you can ever really use psychology to predict what people can do, but you can turn it around the other way, and it is a really useful tool to understand. And over a period of time, I've found it really useful to be able to understand to at least some extent why people do things. And I think that's one of the fascinating things that you find working with dementia. There are numerous cases where um, care homes have been having real difficulty with managing particular behaviours. And you kind of go along and you look at the person and you go and read the care file and you go and talk to the family and you begin to build up this picture of why this might actually be happening. Um, just remember a couple, there was a lady um, who went and hid under the stairs. And I was going, oh, what, what, what's that about? And actually went and talked to the family. Actually, well, she lived in London during the Blitz. Mm. Ah! So the lady gets anxious or gets upset about something, doesn't quite know why, so she just does what she's always done. Yeah. Uh, there was a gentleman who used to take all his clothes off to his underwear and crawl around on the floor. And be like, well, what's he got? What's he got? We talked to somebody, well the guy had been a miner for fifty years. Mm. Wow. And that's he just thought he was at work. Yeah. And when you understand that kind of stuff. It explains it behavior. explains all, and you can actually then begin to work on ways. Well mm. we'll just get him someone to look a bit better, you know, look yeah. way better shorts yes. and things. And you, you you know, it does help you to be able to work with people and it does allow you to make life better. I'm just fascinated by the way the human race works. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. it's very strange.
1: I think it's really it's interesting the way that you talk about these kinds of... It feels like you're coming from a very person-centred mm. sort of approach. And I think that's really interesting as a, an organisation to to understand how care homes work through being person-centred. Because actually... The change that you want to make is I guess it's an overall change of the care home but you're using a person-centred approach to change the way a care home works with people is that is that right or do you feel like you look at it Um, a different way no I
3: I think I think that's absolutely right I think the problems that we have to deal with is we catch these things in terms like person centred well what does that mean yeah and actually knowing that the gentleman was a minor knowing that the lady happened to live in London during the blitz that's person centred because that's knowing the individual. And I mean, it, it, it runs through everything. You see, you might be looking at, I mean, oral care is a big one at the moment. The NHS are going on about oral care, et etc. Et and it's just like, right oral care. So, cutting like your teeth and uh-huh. all the rest of it. And it's kind of like, we did, we did Mr. McGinnis' oral care. Well, what does that mean? That's not personalised. But then you go and you see something like, Mr. Miggins likes to have his teeth cleaned on the morning, he can do it himself. All you need to, what you need to do is take his toothbrush, put the toothpaste on the toothbrush and encourage him to do it. Oh, is that person centeredness? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's what it's and there, yeah. I mean and we've got the only the other one is strength-based approaches. Mm. You know, the strength-based approach from that is he can clean his teeth. Yeah. And uh, please don't take that away from him by mm-hmm. doing it for him. Uh, you know. And individuals who like fishing and things like that, it's well what do we do as an activity, well you give them some fishing magazines and there was a lovely one where there was a gentleman who they kind of vaguely knew he played rugby but didn't know a huge amount about it and someone spoke to the family and it turned out that they hadn't actually been rugby players but they had started a local rugby club, oh, wow. so they got in contact with the local rugby club and went oh yeah, wow yeah, fine, brilliant, so that, that gentleman there goes across there on a Sunday for, for his lunch with, the, with everybody at the rugby club and it's just putting that kind of person centredness into reality and it goes through everything how does somebody Mm -hmm. like their medication Mm -hmm. well actually Mrs. Miggins likes it with an orange juice you know and and all that kind of stuff and it is just that unless you are person centred and you actually know the individual know what they want know what they like know their preferences you have real difficulties I mean meal times we quite often see where you get the meal plated up and given to somebody well yeah so they look at it and go hmm and it's just kind of like, well, yeah, okay, you, know, you might want to play at the main, the main section say so it's beef or something, that's fine, but then it's give them the choices and vegetables and show them what yeah. they are and that kind of thing. So it, it is, and it, it is getting <coughs> more person-centered. Mm-hmm. We still see things that make us want to just, it goes back to your emotional bit, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't do that or no. It, but it. there's something yeah. about translating some of this stuff for people. I think one of our jobs is translating some of the language that we use into practical aspects of those yeah. kind of things. So. I
0: was just about to ask about that. So you obviously work for Leeds City Council, but how, you must have so many people kind of under your jurisdiction. And I, I imagine the care quality team is similar to, you know, when schools get... Um, Ofsted. Ofsted. Is, is it like that? No. Like how do you, everything you're saying sounds brilliant and being able to encourage people to be more person-centred is amazing and improve quali- the quality of care is great. But like how... How do you do that across such a big remit
3: of people? Um, we're not like Ofsted, we're not like because we have no remit to go to a care home. We don't there's nothing which says anywhere that the care quality team must come into your care home. Mm. The deal that we do is we will only go in by invitation and we will only look at the areas that um, they request us to look at. What actually makes us able to get into the care homes is that all the care quality team are, have got a, a massive background in, in actual care themselves. Um, they've either been through contracts, LD, whatever, or they have been redshifted managers themselves. Um, and I think being able to have that face-to-face conversation, and it's almost it's one of the kind of qualities qualities used as a phrase, I feel your pain. You know, i sat at the other side of the desk. I've been through all of these kind of things. And, to have an, and, and again, it, because what we were saying is it has an empathy with what people feel about that kind of thing and because it's, it's you know, our only remit is to improve the quality of care nothing else. We're not assessing against the key lines of inquiry for CQC or for contracts. All we're trying, trying to help you to do is to actually improve the quality of your care and you know there are some very good care homes that don't need us, which is fine, you know, we'll occasionally turn up meetings and things and we'll try and disseminate information. There are others that need a lot more support and help to do that. And we tend to find that we're, we're very welcomed. Um, you know, have got extremely good feedback from a, a number of the care homes. Um, I think the director's very happy at the moment because <laughs> the trajectory of the, the, the quality of the care homes, and especially nursing homes, is continuing to improve, um, despite what's going on. I mean, you know, you can't argue the fact that care homes are a difficult uh, area to work in, um, to be reading one about, you know, the government, and yes, they're gonna do lots of stuff about the NHS, and where does social care sit? Well, I'm going to have a cross-party consensus. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd like to see what that, where that one happens. Mm-hmm. But it, it is our ability to know how people feel, know the issues, have sat on the other side of the desk. We also have the time and the space to dig all the stuff up. So, you know, so, so an account doesn't really have time to go and hunt on the internet for the NHS cleaning schedules, and we can go, there you go, that's what you need. Yeah. Read that, read page 6, 7, and 12, and you'll be fine. Um, we, I mean, we've got a lot of experience in meds, um, medications and that kind of thing. But just generally around care we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, but, it, but it is that they know they can ask us to leave at any time. They know that there are certain areas that we won't look at. Um, there, I mean, there are certain things we can't do. Um, and at some stage it does get quite frustrating. You, know, but you, you tend to you you have to go back, tell them something, tell them again then tell them again and oh wait, right, we're getting there um so it does require a great deal of patience mm. are there common mistakes
2: you you notice across different care homes like they're all oh, yeah. kind of doing something wrong and you're like oh yeah we've seen this before and
3: yeah i mean meds is a, is a, is a key one um and it is it's immensely complicated to, to do medication you know especially if you've got something like 30 individuals who are on between five and six medications each they've all got different times they've all got whatever so medications are a clear issue A lot of the stuff we're doing at the moment is around personalisation, so one of the things you can't do in a care home these days is any of us would get a cream from the doctors and it would sit as directed. No you can't do that. It's it's got to be absolutely specific because you sit under CQC key lines of inquiry. So um, care plans, there's some stuff around care plans that we do. Um, Risk assessment, people have real difficulty with risk assessment. Cause it's complicated and they don't quite understand mm. what it is about risk assessments. Um, <coughs> and, you, know, you have conversations with people and say, Well, what's the evidence for the risk? Well, there isn't one. Any, yeah, I just don't feel very comfortable. <coughs> yeah. Okay, so you know, we're lucky okay, we'll work on that one. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, the other problem is the paperwork. And mm-hmm. you know, it goes back to that fact of being held accountable yeah. and being held you know, responsible for doing things. You've got to have it because, you know, in effect, you've got to sign data documents saying it happened. Yeah. Uh, which the care staff is, they're not there to do that. We, we kind of understand that. And sometimes we do get feel a bit guilty about saying, well, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And the reality is, it's, it's pragmatic. Do they actually have enough hours in the day mm. to do some of the things? And then you, you find that you know, someone else is going to chuck something else in there and yeah. it's going to add something else and something else. So,
1: Is there... Um, I'm just thinking about... Because you've got the Care Quality Commission website where you can go and search yeah. the care homes. Is there something... Kind of in sort of best practice that everyone has to have a rating from the Care Quality Commission, or does every care home in 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 Yorkshire need to have some sort of feedback on how they deliver care? Or how does that work in terms? It's of a regulatory
3: framework. It's by by CQC, who are the regulators, like yeah. right, the management. Um, every regulated service, so that's anybody, anyone that provides personal care. Mm. Um, so that's really any hands-on personal care, so home care, residential care. And um, CQC also do the hospitals and whatever, but that's a different inspection team. And they are inspected against a series of key lines of inquiry under the fundamental standards. So there's a set of standards. Catchy. Mm-hmm. Safe, caring, responsive, effective, and well-led. There they are. And there's a lot of things under, under each of those that they have got to be able to evidence. Yeah. CQC then come in under those five areas and they will grade them as outstanding, good, requires improvement, or inadequate. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, so you get one of those for each of the five, and then, under an interesting formula, um, they will come up with your overall rating as good uh, or good, requires improvement. We're working on getting some outstanding care homes, Mm -hmm. and we have one at the moment. We've got another which's got outstanding areas. Mm -hmm. No, I've got two, sorry. Um, It is it is difficult to get to be outstanding and then we have heard it that managers and people say I don't really want outstanding because there's only one way to go from there you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty hard <laughs> yeah. to maintain your outstanding you yeah. have yeah. super outstanding like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like. well we, we, we kind of want one because you kind of go from good to requires improvement Yeah, it's quite and there's job. something there's something about adequate mm. yeah. um, but no that, that's what it is and basically the KPI for the team is the percentage of regulated services are good in right. Leeds uh, and that's the one that gets reported to elected members and things. Um, but it is it is hugely complex you've got that basic snapshot. And one of the, the interesting things we've been seeing on websites is people say, well it's just a snapshot and it is. Yeah. You know it's your MOT on your car. Mm-hmm. They go in and on that day. So all it takes is registered manager to move, care to have to move, whatever, and you know the whole place changes. Yeah. yeah. So but yeah, and effectively you can also be fined for breaching some of the regulatory standards.
0: So. Okay,
2: interesting. I- expanding outside care homes for a bit, are there common misconceptions around dementia you, you regularly get from people, just like friends and family?
3: Yeah, I, I think, you know, we do, um, a couple of, members of the care team are able to do the dementia friends award, uh, sessions. Um, we do that with care staff and with families. Um, and I don't think there is a good understanding of dementia across the board. Um, you know, it's like anything else, that's it, the generalisation. But I think the, the classic one for me, and it goes back to that one about the memories and the emotions, mm-hmm. is they can't remember, therefore it doesn't matter. And I think it's quite important, especially for families to realise, if they go and see the loved one, and they go out and have a really good day, and it's lovely. And they come back, and half an hour later, the person can't remember it. It's not really that that important, because from our understanding of dementia, and none of them have come back from, it, so we don't know what it's like. That person is still holding on to that emotional feeling of being quite happy and contented and warm. So you know that's that's there. Okay, they may not be able to remember that, but because you know the emotion will still be there. Um, and I think one of the things that we do get quite upset about is when people are dealing with people with dementia, they will tend to revert to the only thing that they know that's anywhere near close, which is bringing up their children. So they go back to being this and we regularly hear this no, if you don't eat your meat, you're not going to have your pudding. (laughs) This person is 85 years old, he's been through the Second World War, he's got a fantastic, you know, and you're treating him like a two-year-old, mm. and then people begin to think, actually, yeah, it's not that good, is it? It's you know, and to to, to be able to get people to take the next step, and to understand the complexity of dementia. I mean, There's something like two hundred mm. different types of dementia, and you know, even the research. And I mean, I mean, one of my favorite authors is Oliver Sacks. He's done some really good work around dementia and things, and you know, and, and he was he you know he's out here. He's done a lot of work around looking at people with brain injuries and whatever. And even someone who's got the same brain injury exactly the same, it doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We had a, a gentleman who had a bit of a problem uh, with staff getting a bit upset because he'd, 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 he'd eat a mouth of his sandwich and then throw his sandwich. eat would with with... So one of the care quality officers went in and sat down and sat there with him and watched him. And to be fair, this person has got... A lot of years' experience with dementia. And you just sat there and watched him, oh, okay. And just moved the plate from the side of him to in front of him. One of the aspects of dementia can be tunnel vision. And this guy had his sandwich in his hand, couldn't see his plate, so, you know, just threw it. So just by moving the plate yeah. in front of him. And it's just, you know, just those kind of simple things. And for people to understand, dementia is not just about, it's kind of, like this, well, they're forgetting. It's not just about forgetting, it's a whole raft of other things. You know, you, your brain controls absolutely everything about you. So you know, it can have all kinds of different impacts. And yeah, you know, some of the problems are some, some people have some very difficult life experiences. You know, there are individuals in care homes in Leeds who have been through some of the most horrific experiences. And is it surprising that their behavior is somewhat challenging? Mm-hmm. And it is difficult to work with them. Yeah. Um, and I think when you, when you start beginning to explain to families, that because well, yeah, the front part of your brain is what you know. It's those kind of things that you wish you could say, but you know you can't. Mm-hmm. Well, when in some cases of dementia, actually that bit that says you can't just goes. <laughs> when you yeah. oh, what, what relief! I mean, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. One of my one of my brothers, my uncle, he was the most lovely man. He's regimental sergeant major um, in the war. I've nobody ever heard him swear or anything, but as his dementia set in, it became. His language just became horrendous. And then, of course, unfortunately, his military training came out as well, and he was detained under the Mental Health Act, and he just kept escaping from places. <laughs> it's quite amusing to some extent. But you know, but you know, all, he was, all that was happening was, all that stuff way back there was coming back. And you know, explaining to people that when you have a conversation with your mum or whatever, do you notice that think parts of it make sense and parts of it don't? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but the timeline. So, well, yeah, because one of the aspects is kind of things get shuffled. So, you might remember something that was 20 years ago but think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh that makes sense to the conversation I've had with my mum. Oh, right. And you know, a number of people have come up to us and said just doing that short 45 minute session has so helped them yeah. to just begin to understand what's going on. Because you know, we are asking people to deal with some of the most complex behaviours or complex damages to behaviours that there are around, yeah. If you kind of like, you're 40 demonstrating some of these, you're probably going to get an awful lot of psychological help. Don't really have that in the care homes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something. And if we can, kind of... Good timing. Get, you know, get those kind of messages over to people. And I think the, the Dementia Friends one is brilliant. Um, we did one, you heard of dementia mapping? Yeah. yeah, I'm a go yeah. Yeah. yeah, so what, what, we do, what we're doing is we're kind of extending on some of that stuff as well mm. during the period when we're explaining to stuff. what we're doing with the dementia mapping. Mm. Um, and we're finding that that's really quite useful as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it does help the staff then when we go in and do kind of mealtime experiences and that kind of thing to actually begin to understand what it is we're seeing. Um, just the stuff about the colours of plates and that kind of thing. Um, and we've done some work with a number of care homes that are just around changing the colours of things. yeah. You know, it's a classic okay. white fish, white potato on a white plate. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, what, what? Another one is um, people on mashed foods. And the message is slowly getting out of that. And actually, I've never thought of it or well, somebody mentioned it to me. Cause I've never had mashed food. And, well, not since I was about six months old. <laughs> but someone pointed out, well, actually, yeah, if you put them in moulds, they begin to look like, you know, much carrot looks like carrot if you put it in moulds. And i found out, you know, there are a number of the care homes who are now, now doing that for people. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, because it, 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 you know, it begins to trigger those kind of memories and things. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Mm. That's interesting, yeah. It, it feels to me like there are so many like, issues and barriers that care homes have to overcome that when I hear things about, like you just said, about, oh, we put their carrots into moulds, like, that is such an act of love and care essentially do you have any other examples of when people have just kind of gone above and beyond to do something that is quite regularly i mean you know it happens
3: an awful lot um and again it depends on the care homes i mean just some, some of the stuff that we've seen done around just the activities of people you know taking people out getting things in to happen some of the stuff that we've seen around um reminiscences work you know, putting together storyboards for people, talking to their families, all that kind of stuff, bringing in food, doing parties, all kinds of things. There's a huge raft of things that goes on all the time. You know, ma- the great majority of people who work are, are very caring individuals. You know, it's, they, they do care about people. And I don't think any of this stuff, a few honourable exceptions, I don't think, you know, nobody goes in there deciding to be horrible to people or yeah. whatever and when you do the kind of the dementia work and people begin to understand it and they can they can actually I just remember one situation where a um, newly qualified nurse um, came in to a lady who had dementia and the look on the nurse's face just told me that I don't know what I'm doing help I need some tools yes you know, so, and we can, we can do that we can give people those kind of tools to be able to do that and once you give them the tools then they will tend, tend to step over above and beyond because it, it, the rewards are phenomenal. You know, you just get a smile off somebody. you. know, um, there's a wonderful gentleman, um, Ping Pong Pete, he, he does uh, adapted activities. Um, and he won't mind me saying it because he, he, he's definitely going right. And he, he's done so much around adapting table tennis for people in care homes. There's a lot of YouTube videos and stuff around him um, doing some of that stuff around. And we, we did some dementia mapping on it for the for the actual impact of it, mm. and yeah, you know, and it's just, I mean, in his case, all he wants to do is get people up and moving. Yeah, and it's it's really good because um, we've had a couple of cases whereby that, oh, no, they never get involved in activity, red rag to a bull. That's <laughs> the challenge <laughs> yeah. I like it, and inevitably he gets them up, and wow. they are doing the activities. You know, ninety can't see, can't hear, is whatever. Is he in Yeah, he's Leeds. Really got wow. to talk, so get yeah. Yeah. To pick yeah yeah that's yeah. amazing he's he trying to expand over it and he does training with with the care homes and things yeah. um but i mean there are numerous um examples of that that's great. Um, and yeah, you know, quite often the organizations will will fund all kinds of things um i mean yeah you know, for staff and for that kind of, for all kinds of stuff yeah, yeah but it's you not know, too numerous to mention really um
1: i think what you what you brought up about ping pong Pete is actually really interesting because I, I don't know whether you as in this role have a particular kind of idea of what you think is the best activities for the for people in dementia and also how the arts and kind of culture sits within that because um, I know a lot of a lot of the time it's always about trying to convince people that it's worthwhile because it's so hard to prove otherwise and dementia care mm. mapping in some ways gives us mm. that. evidence but it doesn't necessarily provide a full narrative of of exactly how maybe that's having an impact kind of post that mapping session or what Mm. whether it's going to leave some sort of feeling of of that person when they're not in that environment and whether you have a particular interest in in the arts sort of thing.
0: I think
3: well no it it is extremely important yeah Um, because you cannot have enough tools. Yeah. And you're going back to that comment you made about personalisation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, some people may not like opera and they like theatre, but some people do. Um, a lot of the issues around dementia are around frustration with people who can't communicate. And I think the arts do allow you to find different ways to communicate. That's to me what they're about, they're about yeah. communication. Um, so whether that's visual communication or movement or mu- or whatever, I think it's really, really useful. And I think it's also got a real plot to play around some of the reminiscence stuff that's going on. You know, just getting people and putting them into situations that may just for a while trigger something to feel familiar. to so the park work that you're doing, you know, it's just about that, triggering like, the feeling of grass mm. or planting things. Mm. And the research does show that no matter what you do, as long as it kind of stimulates people's brains, I mean, there's loads of evidence around music yeah. Uh, music, singing, but any kind of expression or communication I think is really important. And I think as well, why because you because you probably be an old person so, or residential or whatever, do you stop accessing the arts? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not the easiest thing to do, um, for it for most people. But I do think it's important and it's a it's that holistic view of people's lives. You know, it's you know, quite often you're going if you can find the right song for somebody. Yeah um, mm. Very often, um, you'll get somebody who's... And the classic issue is that we get is people are resistant to personal care. And when you think about it, yeah, I'd be pretty resistant to personal care, you know, but if you give me some music and some favourite music, there's that, that lovely video um, of the man in the care home. Was
1: on the Playlist for Life website? Oh. May
3: well have been. They put an yeah. iPod on him. Yeah, uh, uh, I've never Cal- music. And it, it does become... I mean, how can you not... Yeah. i acknowledge that that has somehow kind of impact on people. And um, there are a couple of groups who now do go to the opera. Um, there are there's some activities, Ari has done some activities around um, opera and that kind of thing. Um, and it's just getting people to sing. The, the difficulty you have is quite often you have to go to these kind of things. Yeah. And I think it's the reversal of that in the work that you're doing is by taking that to those individuals then I think that's a a real, real benefit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just to have something, you know, photographs, art, I mean, some really nice work being done around the use of iPads, drawing on iPads and that kind of thing. Um, There's some interesting stuff on tabletops, interactive tabletop stuff that are touch sensitive and all of that kind of thing. It's just, we have to get to a stage whereby one of the problems with care homes is not a lot of headroom. So outside, providing care for people, there's not a lot of space, time, to actually do anything else. Once you get to a situation whereby you've had a manager in post for a long period of time and the staff team's stable, then you begin to get that kind of space to be able to do that. And what we're seeing is that it's those care homes that are picking up the more interesting stuff, the, the integration of the community, the, the links to artwork, the links to music and that kind of thing. So yes, I think it's really important. Um, I don't think we do enough of it. I mean, this is rafts of research out there mm. about how, how it interacts with people, but it's just about also offering people opportunities to find new and different ways to communicate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: all for it. That's good. It. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice
3: Sick. to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think I think it's really important. I mean, you know, some people, and we've had numerous occasions. I mean, the Yorkshire dance work that's yeah. being done. You know, you'll tend to see that people are a bit reluctant at first and then you know two three four sessions they'll get involved and i think that's the other aspect of some of this is that you do need a bit of a continuation and that's that's one of my concerns at the moment is there is a huge amount of really really good stuff going on how on earth do we make it sustainable yeah because Artists need to live too.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's an issue within the arts in general, general stop. Yes. Yeah. So, to be happy like about the biggest it. question yeah. about
1: how can we actually, yeah, everything in that moment in time is amazing. And how do we, how does that have a, what's the legacy of that yeah. work? And that is a question yeah. I think we all want would love to know the answer to. And I guess the work that we're trying to do with the, with the park is kind of, flipping a little bit of that on its head and we know it only is only going to be there for a week Mm. but we were we were all pretty reluctant to just go in you know for 20 minutes or um for for like a session and actually having something up for a whole week that is interactive and it's live for 24 hours does that does having that space change how people are interacting with it and what's the what's the legacy post that so Mm -hmm. i think we're really keen to for people to take things away from the room so actually it's about looking at what's the feeling when they see that thing that they take away do they remember that moment they had in in the in the space that Mm. we created and you know what's the legacy beyond that and Mm. i think yeah yeah, there's just those questions constantly coming up all the time with just arts in general (laughs) also particularly for this work as well
3: I don't have any answers. No, um, I don't I mean, I mean, the kind of things that we are, they've been discussed for a while, are something about is there kind of a central hub that would support people? Because if you are a lone artist or whatever, working with a care home, where do you go for a bit of support? It can Absolutely. be quite difficult yeah. to do that kind of work. So is there kind of somewhere we can put in a support mechanism for that? There are care home organisations that I think if we approach it correctly would begin to sponsor some of these things
0: that'd
3: be amazing um, I, well I mean if you, if you look at it if you can say that your care home offers a range of cultural and yeah. you know, artistic involvement is that going to give you a business advantage over someone who doesn't um, and quite a lot of this now is, is a business advantage we are getting to be you know, a lot of good care homes So care homes are looking for ways of just getting a bit of a competitive advantage on the other care homes. So I think I think that is that one of the problems you tend to find is a lot of the academic research tends to be out there in academia. It's not kind of brought back to the care homes and fed back to the care homes. You know, these are the real advantages of this kind of work. Yeah. Um because I mean, you know, dance, what's the advantage of that? Well it improves your mobility. So from a care home point of view, reduces pressure injuries, Fall increases prevention. fall, if, yeah. you know, the, the resilience to falls is mm. there, um, just general well-being, that recuses, reduces your, your potential to um, infection and that kind of thing. All of those kind of holistic well-being things need to be brought to the fore. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just how do we do it in, this, in the present environment, which is, that's not a reason not to do it. No. Yeah. There are certainly care homes who can do it and will do it. It's just again, how do we make that, how do we roll that out? To get some kind of equity of access to that, absolutely. whilst also making it a reasonable place for artists to operate in, a reasonable environment for them to yeah, work in.
1: Safe environment. Well,
3: yeah, it's, it's going to be safe, but it's also going to be, you know, you've got to be able to make a living. Absolutely. At the end yeah. of the day, yeah, yeah, you know, you Yeah. you still have to pay the bills like everyone else. Yeah, you know, absolutely. There is this kind of presumption that if you're oper- offering anything that's art or whatever, oh, it's free.
0: Mm. No, I know. Um, yeah. Would well, you like to come? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I> just <laughs> to the Arts
1: Council for us. I've got a question about um, kind of, you know, the council run care homes mm-hmm. in these. I know there's, last I heard there was four. I don't know if that I'd have to go
3: and look it up. There's, I think there's a small amount. Three that are effective recovery hubs. Yeah. And I think there's another three or four. Right. Um,
1: and how does that work in terms of what sort of? access they get to this to this sort of stuff so because obviously you say the business side is those mm. privately run ones yeah but
3: um you'd have to talk to, to them that we, have, a, we, we don't that's don't inside our right. remit. our remit is basically the private sector right anybody who provides a service in leeds whether or not we have a contract with them mm, so okay. the, i mean most care homes we have a contract with not all of them but we'll still work with them but there's a lot of home care providers that we don't i yeah. access to, and I think I think the other one. I mean, this is a, an aside. Is, is the care homes? But there's a whole raft of people who are living at home, yeah. and that's a huge issue around loneliness and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, socialisation.
3: Yeah, and I mean, we do have the neighbourhood networks and things, and there's there's loads and loads of it. It's yeah. not my area of expertise, no. but I mean, there is something as well about how do we work with those people from their own homes? How do we get them into interacting with some of those yeah. kind of stuff? So but yeah it's got your question local authority is, is, is managed by local authority it's not part of my my room
2: that's
1: interesting yeah okay
0: uh, I'm aware that we have about five minutes left of your time uh, so I was just going to finish with a question that we're trying to ask everyone that we've mm. been speaking to which is um, there's obviously loads of misconceptions about dementia specifically and if you were able to like make an advert or do a public service announcement what is one thing you wish everybody in the world knew
3: about dementia I think it's that one it's not just about forgetting which I think is the preeminent picture that has someone Mm -hmm. about dementia when you talk to anyone about dementia or the history of it and when when you start getting nervous about dementia when you start forgetting things but there is so much more to it than that and I think the one thing I'd like people to understand is that just because you're forgetting something you don't lose that emotional contact with it and I think it, it that that is that is you know what for me drives a lot of this is that if you know you have to remember I and mean, we, we get safeguardings and unfortunately you occasionally see you know people do not remember what's going on however if you go and look at what's you know the interactions later on there is obviously some feeling of concern or anxiety um and you know to to, to realize that those the memory of the event and the emotional feeling of the event don't both go you know you're still left of that emotional feeling and you know that can go back many 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 years and I think you know that that's the one for me which, which gets the most kind of flick There goes a light. yeah oh yes it now makes sense so I think that that'll be the one for me it's not just about forgetting
1: brilliant thanks again to Richard for taking the time to speak to us we only had 40 minutes with him and we got a lot out of it thanks for listening and catch you next week